You can build history with God. Have you ever thought about it like that? Literally the same way that you build history with a person, you can build history with God. In today's episode, we're going to dive into this non-religious, very personal and up-close look at how to deepen your walk with Jesus in a way that makes it exciting and something that's sturdy and lasts the test of time. Let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. So I'm super excited for today's episode because I personally, my favorite thing about being a Christian is how real and authentic and approachable a relationship with God actually is. Now, I want you to stay tuned for the very end. I have a little life hack at the end that is to help those of you who want to accomplish more in, let's say, 2022, because hi, it's right around the corner. If you're a goals person, but you feel like you set your New Year's goals and then you just never quite make it, this little life hack at the end of the episode has done wonders for me, and I hope it will help you as well in reaching your goals. Also, if you hear locusts, If you hear bugs, if you hear traffic, (laughs) that's because I'm sitting on the back porch recording this episode with you guys. It's very cozy, but really it's because there's lots of people in my house. It's the only quiet place I could find. So enjoy the sounds of nature as we talk about this. But today I want to talk about creating or building history with God. A lot of Christians, from my experience as a pastor and walking with so many believers through the challenges of growing your faith, a lot of the pressure that people feel comes from this approach to their relationship with God as a pass or fail experience. Pass or fail. Like if I'm doing good with God, then I'm going to be excited about him. I'm going to encounter him in worship. I'm going to have all these phenomenal experiences. And if for any reason that stops, I must be failing. And it's, it, it really can strip away the beauty and the organic, um, ebb and flow of a natural relationship with the Lord. And so what I did when I was younger, and and I'm so grateful that I had this revelation in like my college years because I've been able to just enjoy my experience with the Lord since then. But I began to approach my relationship with the Lord as I would any other relationship. And what that means is every relationship creates history. The longer that you are in a friendship, a romantic relationship, a family relationship with someone, you eventually, you create history. Now, you might create history accidentally just by going through life experiences together, or you might create history intentionally by creating moments that create memories, that um, that challenge your relationship and cause it to deepen. And you can do the same thing with God. You can accidentally grow with him. You can kind of take it as it comes when you go to church and, you know, have those experiences at retreats and have a passive approach with God, which isn't entirely bad or wrong. You're still loving God. But you could also have an assertive intentional um, journey with him of really investing into that relationship like you would into any relationship that you want to be healthy. Any relationship has to be nurtured to some degree. It has to be invested into you, and your relationship with God really is the same. So when we walk through life with somebody, 
you're going to experience, think of maybe like your very best friend or your spouse. And like my husband and I have been married almost 17 years. And so I look back on our 17 years and you know what? Our 17 years have been very, very full. There's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of hardship, but there's been, there's been some laughter. There's been some phenomenal moments with God that we've shared together. There's been phenomenal, like so many miracles. My husband and I have such a rich history with God as a couple of miracles. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, we've, we've, we have fought together. We have cried together. We have worked things out together. We've had to go through some really deep, messy places together. We've had some really phenomenal moments. So creating history has good moments and hard moments. It's not all, it's not all bubbles in pizza sauce, you know, (laughs) pizza sauce. I don't know. Uh, it's not all, you know, unicorns and rainbows guys. It's late. So my brain is slow. Bear with me. Okay. But I just want to give some examples because in these examples of mine, I'm hoping that you'll begin to dream a little bit about how you can enrich your relationship with the Lord. So you build history through people with good times. Primarily, any good relationship is going to consist mostly of good times, right? So when I was in Bible school, I had, it was a great season with the Lord. I was single. I didn't have a whole lot of life pressure. I was there primarily to develop my relationship with the Lord. So I had all this all this opportunity to spend time in prayer, spend time in the word, create cool moments. Like I would date God. I would create these opportunities where I'd go be alone with him. Um, Like I remember sometimes on a Friday night, I'd make a plan. I'd put it on my calendar and say, okay, Lord, this Friday, you and I, we're going to go camp out, out in the back 40. And we're going to make a little bonfire. I'm going to bring my Bible and my guitar. And we're just going to have a good time. And I would literally carve out moments of time to have experiences with God. Not that I was expecting this big supernatural thing, but I wanted to treat him like a relationship that mattered to me. And if I would do that with a boyfriend or with a best friend, why would I do that with God? You know, so Bible school was just full of all these great experiences with him. I would do retreats and I would spend time with Jesus and it, it really, really, really transformed and set such a huge foundation of my life with God. I had quiet times every day. Um, Some of them were phenomenal. Some of them was me crying and trying to figure out how to have a quiet time with God, how to connect with him. You know, it was a struggle in the beginning. Um, I I went on fasting retreats where I would give up food so I could press into his presence. And frankly, nobody likes giving up food. The giving up food part was miserable. But it was worth it. <laughs> and so like we, we just had all these cool moments. So there's good times in your relationships. You might go through lack. You might go through lack in your relationship with the Lord. And I don't mean lack like God didn't show up or God didn't provide, but lack where you have to walk through those waters of it feeling very scary. Like you're not sure how you're going to make ends meet or you're not sure how he's going to provide, but then you see him show up. So this was a really fun story. When I was pregnant, with my second child, I believe we had just lost, not lost our job, but lost our income at our job. It went from like $800 a week to like $200 a week. It was not even enough to pay our house note. But ironically, at the same time, the Lord was asking Stephen not to go get another job. Our husband, our pastor had cancer 
And we just felt like the Lord was asking us to faithfully continue to serve him at the church, to lighten the load and trust the Lord for our finances. And so I was pregnant and I needed maternity clothes and I didn't have money for maternity clothes, but one of our youth kids had given me a gift card and it was like a $25 gift card to motherhood. <laughs> it wasn't going to buy me much. I think it would have bought me a half a pair of jeans, you know, um, but regardless, I was excited. So I remember I was walking through Target to get to motherhood at the mall. And I wasn't actually in the mood to shop, um, but I wanted to go see what they had. And so I'm walking through Target and I look to my right and there's this other pregnant woman. She's looking at the cards. And suddenly I get this idea in my spirit, go give her your gift card. And I thought, uh, what? Heck no, that's my gift card. <laughs> and I felt that again, go give her your gift card. And so I immediately began to wrestle like, God, I don't even have much. Why are you going to take the little that I have from me? You know, and so I started to wrestle. This is where history, you know, history starts to be created with God. And so I started to wrestle and then I corrected myself. I was like, generally, God is a good God. He's generous. He's not going to take from you what if he's not prepared to bless you in place of that thing. And so I just chose to lay down the lie of, of lack and choose to believe, God, if you're asking me to give her this gift card, that must be because you need a seed for me to sow so you can give me a harvest. And so I said, all right, Lord, I'll obey. I walked over to her and I said, hey, I noticed you're pregnant and I have this gift card to motherhood. I'm not in the mood to shop, but I really just kind of felt prompted to give it to you. Would you like it? And she turned around. She was like, oh my gosh, what a blessing, blah, blah, blah. She was very touched by it. So I left and I was like, Lord, I'm going to trust that you asked me to do that because you want to bless me. So literally two days later, I'm at church, maybe even the next morning. I don't know. I was at church and y'all, what, what is about to happen had never happened in my life before or since. I go to church and um, I was still contemplating how am I going to get maternity clothes because I still didn't have money. And this woman walks up to me after church and she goes, hey, Jenilee, I have these very expensive real leather heeled boots, these um, really high end heels. I was wondering if, if you'd like them. I think they're your size. And I was like, uh, heck yes. And so she gives me these expensive, fabulous boots. I was like, yes, please. That's amazing. And then while I'm talking to her, someone is in line behind her and she said, Hey Jen, um, I just finished having a baby. I have tons of clothes from motherhood and from target and all these places. They're in great shape. I have about two large totes full of clothes. I was wondering if you'd like them for your pregnancy. And I was like, uh, Yes, I would. And so she said, great, I'll give them to you after service. Y'all, in those totes, there was probably $600 worth of pregnancy, maternity clothes. And then while I'm talking to her, there's another lady waiting in line to talk to me. And when I get done with, with Julia, I turn to Miss Carolyn and I said, yes. And she said, well, you were on my heart. And I just thought, you know, when a woman is pregnant, usually it's the baby that gets all the gifts and the mama gets overlooked. So I was just wondering, would you like my credit card or should I write you a blank check? And I was like, uh, excuse me. And she was like, I want to bless you. I want you to go shopping for maternity clothes. And I'm not talking Target and Walmart. You need to go to the nice places, get some nice clothes and I want to pay for it. And so how would you like me to do that? I was like, oh my gosh. Hi, kind of awkward. Like, sure, hand me your credit card. I'll go shopping. Um, 
I was like, how about you just write a check? And I had already decided in my heart I wouldn't spend more than like $100 or something because I didn't know what her budget was. I didn't want to like take advantage of her, you know. So um, I did end up going to Target and Ross, you know, and affordable places. But I was so happy with those places. And so in that moment, my $25 gift card turned into a couple hundred dollars pair of shoes, $100 to shopping spree, and $600 full of totes of clothes. So that 10 or that $25 gift card became almost a thousand dollars worth of value that the Lord multiplied into my lap. So what that dot, what that did is that created history between me and the Lord. I learned in that moment, I do not need to fear lack. And if the Lord ever asks me to be generous, I know he's asking me to be generous because he also plans to bless me in response and I can freely give what he has put in my hands. And so I created history with the Lord in that moment through a moment of lack. So maybe you have a moment of struggle in our relationships with people, relationship with God. The word says that his power is made perfect in weakness. And so even in a struggle, when I say struggle, I mean like temptation. Like maybe it's an area of temptation that you are really wrestling through. First of all, in those times when we wrestle with something, it's because that something is offering, it's meeting a need in our soul. It's meeting some kind of a need. Usually it comes down to, I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel like I matter. That's usually at the core of all of our needs. And so if you're struggling with something, some kind of sin or some kind of temptation or whatever, a lot of times we can try to prove to God, I can make the right choice. I'm going to just, I'm going to, I can do this, you know, and we just try to tough it out. Instead, the Lord's like, I know you're not enough to do right in this. That's why I died. That's why you need my grace. So you're already the righteousness of God. And, so, and in those places of struggle, speak that over yourself. I am the righteousness of Christ. You speak that over yourself and then you lean into God by being like, God, I need you. Please be my helper. Holy Spirit, do your job to lead me in righteousness. Holy Spirit, I need your grace. And, and leaning into those places. And sometimes the Lord will reveal that the thing you're struggling with is more than just an emotional thing. It might actually have a spiritual dynamic where you're dealing with like a spirit of lust or a spirit of addiction or a spirit of perversion or you know what I mean? Like there might be a demonic dynamic behind it that you need to break in prayer. But the Holy Spirit is so faithful to lead us into all truth. He will reveal that. He has revealed things like that to me through dreams and through nighttime encounters where he'll just expose a thing. He'll show me what the enemy is doing. He'll show me the enemy's strategies so I then know how to deal with it in prayer. That's building history with God through your struggle. In fact, I heard one person, one minister say that a lot of times what the enemy will try to do when we're struggling is he'll try to, he'll bring accusation. Look at you. You're not good enough. You don't really love God. You're not really holy. You're this, you're that, you, you, you. And he'll try to get your eyes on yourself. The reason why is because in ourselves, we actually don't have what it takes to be righteous. That's why we need Jesus. But what you can do is say, you know what? It's true. I'm not enough. And then you turn your eyes to the Lord and you're like, in fact, Jesus, I need you. Come be enough. Come help me make the right choice. Come help me, you know, make choices I'm going to be proud of. And then you lean into his grace by acknowledging the fact that 
I need his grace. And in that moment, you're building history with the Lord in another rich way through your weakness and his power is able to be made perfect in those moments. Through dating is another way you build history with God. Creating moments, carving out moments to spend time with him and create a memory. So this is one of my favorites. I've shared it in another episode. So if you've heard it, just enjoy the story again. But when I was in college, I did this a lot in college where I would carve out and I would literally say, no guys, I can't hang out, I have plans. And my plans were I was gonna go have time with the Lord in a really unique setting. And so one night I planned on going and hanging out with the Lord in the coffee shop. And so I went to the coffee shop, had my Bible. And of course, I'm trying to read my Bible and have some encounter with the Lord in the middle of a busy coffee shop. It's just, you know, not very practical. But I ended up just being distracted, people watching and talking to the Lord in my heart. And, um, and I see this little boy come through and he's selling chocolates. And I was like, oh, I was single at the time. And I was like, God. I want some guy to buy me chocolates. That's so romantic. And I immediately heard the Holy Spirit inside of me say, I want to buy you chocolates. Let me buy you chocolates. And I said, that's silly. I'm talking to myself. And I was like, whatever. And then I just, and I felt the persistence of the Holy Spirit inside of quietly in my heart. He said, I want to buy you chocolates. Buy those chocolates. And I was like, Lord, that's dumb. This is my money that I would be giving to him to buy the chocolates just to say, Holy Spirit bought me chocolates. I was like, Lord, that's like practically delusional. And he was like, no, no, I will replace that money. I want to buy you the chocolates, buy the chocolates. And so I was like, okay, whatever. So I was like, okay, fine. So I was like, I called the boy over. I was like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and can I buy some of those? And he goes, sure. He's a little Hispanic kid. And um, he goes, $7. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm counting out the money. And as I'm counting it out, I was like, hey, what's your name, by the way? And he looks up at me and he goes, Jesus. Y'all, Jesus in Spanish is Jesus. <laughs> I was like, what? I almost laughed out loud. I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? I was like, Jesus, you literally did just buy me chocolates through Jesus. Oh, it just made me laugh. So that's like a memory that sometimes I'll pull it up in my memory and I'll remember that with the Lord and we will literally laugh about it together because I'm like, remember that time when you did this? And it was like, it's unique. I have that memory with the Lord. Nobody else has that memory with the Lord. I have that memory with the Lord. It's special. Um, so making carving moments with him and, and he shows up because he wants to hang out with you. Diligently investing in the relationship. That's an example of that. Uh, one story how that happened is, you know, we can get busy where, you know, I, I will oftentimes, there's what I'm guilty of. I'll be driving and I'll be busy uh, listening to something on my phone. I'll put on a YouTube video and just set it up in my dash and listen or podcast or whatever. My husband is texting me. Please keep it down. Apparently I'm loud even when I'm recording by myself. Okay, sorry, babe. Um, anyways, and so... I was driving down the road and I felt prompted to turn off the radio, turn off everything and just talk to the Lord. And so I, I made sure to take that moment to invest into my time, my relationship with the Lord, just, just a few minutes, you know, but it was still investment. And so I said, Lord, what's on your heart? What do you want to talk to me about? And he brought up in my heart that it was almost the anniversary of when our house flooded. It was hurricane season. And, you know, I was like, you know, Lord, I don't know what might be around the corner for our home, our safety, whatever. But I said, I just ask that you'd put your angels around our home and protect our home no matter what comes. Y'all, that night, literally three hours later, we were sound asleep 
and I hear this crazy banging on the door. Crazy. Like I jumped out of bed, flew so hard. I like lurched my leg around the corner of the bed frame and like bruised it for days. It was terrible. Run to the door and this guy's pounding on the door. Wake up. There's a fire. And I was like, oh, what? And at first I thought it was a scam, but then he goes running down our driveway to wake up the other neighbors. And I was like, what is going on? And so I kind of look and I see the sky is glowing next to our house. And I was like, oh, holy crap. So I wake up Steven. <clears throat> He's like, wake up all the kids. I'm going to go check on the house. Long story short, the neighbor's house was in flames. It was a blazing inferno. The flames were like 30 feet high. They were so big. Y'all, our house is close. Those flames were so big. If there had been any wind, they would have jumped to our roof. But you guys, the night air was so still and quiet. There was not a single whisper of wind. And I really believe the Lord did that, A, to protect our home, but B, the people that were banging on our doors, they were leaving the bar at like one or two in the morning. They drove by our street, saw the flames and saw there was no fire trucks. And so they're the ones that came down and woke everybody up. Y'all, if I had not taken that time, those few moments driving down the road to just turn off my radio and invest in my relationship with the Lord a little bit, if he had not prompted me to pray that, what might've happened that night? I don't know. Could have, my house could have gone up in flames a year after it had flooded. <laughs> oh Lord. But that's what happened to the neighbor. You know, so it was like, thankfully no one was in the house. No one was harmed, but diligently investing into our relationship with the Lord in those little moments, just like the little moment where you reach over and squeeze your husband's hand or those little moments where you just take time to listen to their heart. You can do that with the Lord. Um, you can develop history with someone when you go through death with them. When our pastor died of cancer, I remember that became a history, a history moment for me with the Lord. And I remember sitting down and saying, Lord, I have questions. I have questions and I need you to answer them. And I sat down and I began to ask the Lord my questions. What about the promises that were still over his life? What about this God? What about this God? I don't have closure until you answer these questions. And you know what the Lord did? He began to boom, 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 speak to me in the place of each of those questions. And it just like blew my mind. He, he, the Lord was like, I don't view death like you do. I don't view it as pass or fail this life. I view it as he graduated to his next season and anything that was still on his life, I'm going to pass to somebody else. It's okay. And there was just such a low pressure approach. God's approach was so different than I had ever viewed it that I was like, wow. And so even in that moment of death, the Lord showed up and created history with me. So when you go through different things, I think you guys get the point. The point is your relationship with God is not a linear line. It's not A to Z, the start of my relationship with him to my death, and let's hope we walk in a straight line. That is not how it works. Just like any relationship, there is an ebb and a flow. When life is difficult, I mean, I've, I've walked through a relationship that was abusive for years and years and years, but it was a relationship I felt like God had initiated. And so I had to walk through some major disappointment with the Lord, confused why he would call me into that relationship. And, and it took years and years and years of processing that with the Lord to, 
to then it, it kind of impacted my relationship with him. It wounded my relationship with the Lord. And so then I had to walk through the wounding and the healing that would come because, you know, the Lord never violates us. He never mistreats us or mishandles us. So if I felt mistreated or felt mishandled, somewhere my perspective was off and I had to sort that out. Or somewhere my feelings were just raw and I needed to work that out with him. But here's the beautiful thing. is like God promises to be with us through it all. He promises that when we are unfaithful, he will remain faithful. He promises to walk with us through the darkness, through the wind and the, the crazy stuff that life brings. And so I just want to encourage you, as you're walking your journey with the Lord, it is not a straight line. It is an ebb and a flow. There will be highs. There will be lows. I think the lows are some of the rich, richest places where I've encountered the Lord. Because the Bible says that he's near to the brokenhearted. That if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That he responds to those who are hungry in heart. Like, God wants those deeper, messy places. In fact, there's been times where I would I would be having my quiet time, you know, my time with Jesus and and I'm trying to be a good Christian in that moment, trying to worship, trying to do something spiritual, whatever. But the truth is in my heart, I was wrestling with some things and, and I had some hurts or something, offenses. I, I don't know, just, some, just something. And you know, when I was trying to put on a religious, good Christian approach towards God, I never encountered his presence, never. I've never encountered his presence when I've been in a pretentious, artificial position with him but when I take off the mask and strip away pull my hair down take off my shoes cry and get snotty and ugly and say the hard things and I'm like God I don't get why you allowed this I don't get what you were thinking I feel betrayed by you right now or I feel hurt by you or I feel hurt by the situation or or I don't know what I don't know how to make sense of this when I had those moments, I would experience his presence. His presence would come. Why? Because God is not interested in some artificial, pretentious relationship. He wants the messy. He wants the real, authentic, 110% pure, this is my heart, even if it's a hot mess. <laughs> That's what he's after. I'll close with this little story to illustrate that. I remember in Bible school, I wanted to encounter Jesus so hard. I wanted, I wanted to see him face to face. I just wanted to touch him, you know? And so I planned on doing a fast. I spent the whole day fasting and I was like, God says, if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. So God, I'm expecting you. And so I carved out the whole day and I was thinking, man, if I give up food, if I do all this, God's going to show up. Y'all, I spent the whole day reading my Bible, worshiping, all this stuff. And y'all, it was dry as a cracker. I was like, Oh, heck no, this is miserable. And so I remember it gets to the end of the night and I had not encountered God's presence <laughs> at all that day. It was miserable. I was like doing religious stuff without God's presence is just torture, right? And so it's the end of the day. It's like 15 minutes till curfew. I had to be back in the dorm and I was crying. I was like, God, you did not show up. I feel like you broke your promise. I said, you said you'd draw near to me if I drew near. And I've been drawn near to you all day long. Where are you? And then I, kind of in a sassy attitude, I was like, Lord, you can always redeem yourself by showing up in a dream. 
but I have to go back to home because it's curfew. And so you can redeem yourself by showing up in a dream. <laughs> like I'm going to tell God how to do his job. And so I go home, I go to bed, and I remember crawling in bed and my heart just was sunken. I was like, God didn't show up. And I just felt so devastated. Well, I went to bed. Sure enough, I had a dream. I had a profound dream. So at that season in my life, I had been saying I wanted to see my angels, the angels that like had been assigned to my life. And I had seen demons before, you know, they're not so impressive. Um, but I hadn't seen angels. I really wanted to see my angels. So that night I had a dream. It was two dreams. And in the first dream, it was like I was looking at my face, but it was really zoomed in to where all I could see was my eyes. But I had a white ceramic, almost like plaster of Paris, like really porous, you know, um, white. My face was like this white plaster of Paris, like porcelain look. And I, as I looked at my eyes in this vision, in this dream, slowly in the corners of my eyes where my tear ducts were, appeared drops of blood. And this blood ran down my face and they were my tears. And in that moment in my heart, I knew the Lord was saying, I have seen your tears. I have seen the purity of your heart, which was the white, the white porcelain. It was flawless. It was perfect. He said, I've seen the purity of your heart to pursue me and seek me that you've even sought me so much just to, to bring tears like Jesus in the garden where he cried and it brought blood or sweated and it brought blood. And, uh, and the Lord was like, I see the purity of it. And the blood symbolized just the depth of my longing for the Lord. And then the next scene was a new dream and I was seeing my angels. And one of them was this great big angel and it had the head of a lion. And this other one was a great big angel, had the head of an eagle. And I remember in the dream thinking to myself, Jenny, remember this. God is showing you your angels. You've been wanting to see your angels. Don't forget. You need to remember this. You need to remember this. And so I was like ingraining it into my memory. And then I woke up. And I found out later that the angels represent the mantles that are on my life. And the lion being leadership and the eagle being the prophet or being prophetic. And... Um, and I re in, in, those, in those moments, like, God just gave me a gift. He gave me a gift that spoke to the, the deep longings of my heart. And so God did show up. He didn't show up like I expected him to show up. He didn't show up in this way that I thought I could conjure him, if you will, like by doing all these rituals and then God shows up in this. And sometimes he does. You know, sometimes he shows up in a very predictable way, if you will. But in this one, he created history with me because I struggled. I struggled to connect with him, but he didn't fail me. He still showed up and he showed up in such a deeply personal way. So I hope these stories like really like engage your faith and stir you up to create history with God and not only look for opportunities to create history with him, but that you'll see the opportunities that are woven into your daily life to firstly turn to him in all those situations, whether they're good, whether they're highs, whether they're lows, whether they're easy, whether they're celebration and dance, or whether it's grief and, and, and processing pain. All of life offers us all these experiences that we can share with the Lord. And the way you create history with God 
is you just share it with him. Make him a part of all of those moments. Make him a part. It's as simple as just acknowledging his presence in those moments. It's as simple as acknowledging the hand he take that he might play in each of those situations you know and then secondly be really real with god part of how you create history with god is you just let it be messy life is not perfect it doesn't fit in a nice little tied up package it's messy and so just be real being real and authentic with god is how you're going to access the deeper places of him sorry someone's a very loud motorcycle Um, that's how you're going to access the deeper places of him and he's going to access the deeper places of you. And then lastly, persist. God doesn't ever quit on us, no matter how messy or ugly or mistaken we feel like we are. He doesn't quit. The Bible says that when we are faithless, he will be faithful. So as you go into this next week, as you go into the, the end of this year, the holiday seasons and whatever the days ahead may hold, I want to encourage you, create history with God and write these things down. Write down these memories. These become stories in the chapters of your life that are markers that you can look back on and remember how he was with you in lack, how he was with you in death, how he was with you in joy, and how he was with you in love and in shared dating experiences and all these moments raising children. Like He's with you in all of those things. So I hope this episode encouraged you. Stay tuned. Your life hack is coming right up. And also as a brief reminder, go get your hands on some Java with Jen merch. You can go check it out at javawithjenmerch.com. You can get coffee, coffee mugs. You can get shirts and sweatshirts and joggers, or not joggers, leggings and sportswear, all kinds of fun stuff. javawithjenmerch.com. If you buy anything, make sure and throw it in your stories or post it on social media and tag me so I can reshare and see what you guys are loving. All right, I love you guys. Enjoy the life hack. It's coming right up. So many of y'all have asked me for merch for the podcast, so I interrupt the show to give you this exciting update. I decided with season three here, it is definitely time for some merch. I was able to partner with a coffee line called Didomi Coffee, owned by a wonderful Christian couple who are passionate about making Jesus famous, and they're also sponsors of the show. They decided to create two flavors that will be the Java with Jen flavors, and we will be making these available to you along with some other exciting merch. Give them a follow on Instagram. Instagram at didomi.coffee. You spell that D-I-D-O-M-I dot coffee. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, your life hack for today is very much practical. With the new years around the corner, goals are at the front of our perspective of life. And so this little simple life hack, which I love because it's actually built into my day planner, um, which actually I should tell you guys about my day planner as well because it's just the best. But if you're a goals person or you have some major things that you want to accomplish this year, one really simple hack that you can incorporate, which helps you stay on track throughout the year, is instead of just planning your goals in January, do it every three months. So do it in January and then do it in April when April 1st hits for April Fool's Day. Have your quarterly goals meeting with yourself. And then let's say April. April, May, June, and then in July, and then do it again in uh, September, October. 
August, whatever month is, I don't know, October. And then when you do that, what you're doing is you're constantly checking in with yourself, evaluating how far you've come, evaluating if you need to lower, you know, your expectation of what you can achieve in three months. Or if you're like, holy crap, I mastered it. I have found that now I'm very much a goals person. When I take the time to write it down, I don't know if it just like registers it into my ambitious self-conscious, like not self-conscious, subconscious um, effectively, but it's like sometimes I can literally even walk away from that list, come back to it in a few months and be like, oh my gosh, I accomplished everything on that list. It's really strange. Um, But when you keep your goals in front of you, it's even more effective because they stay more, they stay more important. You have this sense of urgency. They'll come up when you're bored, almost like this, you have this itch to get it done. So that is your life hack, just to stay on track, get some new things accomplished this year. And I will say as an entrepreneur, I run basically three businesses. I work for a company. I help other businesses get started. I help with marketing for um, business consultant. I do a lot of different things. So I'm very goals oriented. It helps me accomplish things. And so what helps me is doing the quarterly meeting with myself, having these things in place, having rewards in place, but constantly checking in and evaluating, hey, how am I doing? Am I getting done what I want to get done? And not in an obsessive way. I don't ever feel like my to-do list weigh on me in an unhealthy way. But yet I look back and I'm like, I got a lot done. And one of the biggest keys I picked up on that helps me with that is not waiting for the plan to be perfect. Are there some things that need to be in place? Are there some things you need to learn ahead of time and maybe some systems you need to be familiar with? Yes. Um, You don't want to go in there flailing and scrambling. However, most times what holds people back is waiting for perfection or to feel like they've mastered a thing before they start. You will never feel like you mastered it because you don't master anything (laughs) until you start doing it and you get practice. So the best advice I ever got when it came to pursuing new goals was just do it and you learn and grow as you do it. And the people who are with you in your journey get to enjoy the process of growing with you. And then you are constantly bettering what you're offering. So you just get better to them over time as well. So just get started. If you want to write a book, get started by writing a blog a couple times a week, 45 minutes, just do it. If you, you know, want to start a business, sign up for a, for a online e-course, you know, like do what you want to do, put your feet at it, have a quarterly goal session with yourself every quarter instead of once a year and see what you can get done this year. Okay, you guys, I hope you love this episode and I hope that it challenged you to kind of strip away the religious ideas of growing your relationship with God, strip away any kind of sense of shame or performance-based approach to your relationship with him and realize this is a beautiful, messy, complicated beautiful journey that you get to walk with the Lord and he's in it for the long haul. And I hope you are too. Love you guys. And we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, Hey, It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. 
Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.